This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. Hello and welcome to the Global Glamping Podcast Series. My name's Adam Bell and I'm your host and I'm here with Simon Fabian, who is the CEO and founder of Global Glamping. Welcome, Simon. Hey, Adam. Nice to meet you. You too. Fantastic. So, Global Glamping. Um, could you start by maybe sharing your story? Um, how did it How did it all start? What led to, to this initiative? Oh, wow. Well, the short story is basically that um, I was fortunate enough to be able to f- um, financially retire back in 2018. And my partner and I decided we'd go and live on an island up here on the Gold Coast and forget about the world. Um, after two months, I found that sand flies and the Gilligan's Island life wasn't for me. And because I could stop working, I could see what was actually happening in society. And I think what people do, generally speaking, is go to work, head down, bum up, work, 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 go home, feed their family, kids, pay yep. the bills, week in, week out. Yep, the normal have, routine. Yep, and have very little time to realise what's really going on in the world. So for me, it was a massive eye-opener. Um, because domestic violence is rising. Um, I was coming across women and kids sleeping in cars in car parks and being moved on by council, um, met some homeless people. Um, and their, their particular story was they were telling me they didn't want a house, they just needed somewhere to wash their clothes right. and food. And I'm thinking, well, what's the big issue? Like, if you don't want housing, why are we investing all this money in trying to find housing? Sure. Um, look, at the end of the day, that's just one small little um, group of people. And in general, everybody wants a house over their head, a roof over their head and somewhere sure. secure to sleep. For sure. Um, so that and doing some personal development work, um, it dawned on me that, you know, my life's purpose now is to give back to the world um, and be creative because I've been gifted with this wonderful creative mind. Um, on how I can actually help society solve problems rather than be just a bobbing cork in an ocean of, oh, we should do something and really not actually getting out there and doing it. Yeah. So that's where it all started. And the idea was, well, where do we get the money from? Uh, My personal view is um, that it would be better for charities to not have to put their hand out for donations all the time. People generally are doing it tough. So finding those extra dollars just to give to a charity and there's heaps and heaps of charities out there is a, a bigger challenge. And then you hear stories about charities spending 90% of their revenue on um, office space, executive salaries, transport costs, compliance and the governance. Um, while I can understand why they spend that money where they do, it still doesn't solve in the main the problem. Sure. Um, sure. So that's where it all started from. Um, my dad passed away in 2020 and he was one of the most, and yeah, sure I'm his son, but he was the most inspiring person I've ever come across. Um, he sacrificed his time with my family to help, um, kids that are either homeless, abused, been removed by the state from their parents and stuff like that. And it was a living position. Um, my mum had an equal position. Um, but he chose to work her shifts and his shifts so she could be free for the kids. Wow. Um, at the time as a teenager, I'm like, oh, my dad doesn't care about me. Mm-hmm. Boo-hoo. 
Um, but now when I look back, and as a father myself, that sacrifice was just huge. Amazing. Um, so post his death, it's just like of the way I connect with him now that he's gone is to um, be the best person I can be each day and try and improve each day. And I do that by improving the lives of others. So that's the underlying passion behind Global Glamping. That's fantastic, Simon. Fantastic. So you look at three areas of homelessness, um, and today we're looking specifically at um, domestic violence uh, victims. Mm -hmm. How did you sort of come across deciding on the three areas of homelessness that you, you look after and can you tell me a bit about the domestic violence um, program? Sure. Okay, so essentially um, when you look out into the community, there are lots of services there for, for lack of a better term, um, your stereotypical homeless person, you know, living on the street, train stations, wherever. Um, so how, how can we add value there? Well, we probably couldn't because they're already looked after. Um, and then the floods hit and, and stuff started happening because I'm able to sit back and view the world. And um, I said, okay, well, what's happening in this space? Um, we're using New South Wales, Northern New South Wales floods as an example, two years ago. And if you could take a drive through Woodburn today, there are still houses that are half demolished and really? people living in ter terrible circumstances. Um, and the first farmer I met um, has sadly has cancer, the whole business was wiped out by mud from the floods um, to the point that they were living in their chicken coop and they had nowhere to live. And that was six months later, they're still in that situation with no help. Wow. Um, I spoke to our local member about those kinds of cases and the response I got back was, yeah, well, Woodburn's a smaller area, um, there's more people in Lismore so we have to focus there. Um, and it's like, I, I know... Politicians do what they do and, yep. you know, and they've got a job to do and they've got to look after everybody. Um, but to ignore a group of people just because there's not that many of them when they're in desperate need living in a chicken coop um, is, in my mind, ridiculous. Mm. And we need to find a way as a society to fix that without being a burden on society, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so that, that planted the seed about the relocatable homes. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of domestic violence, around about the same time, I was just taking a walk um, one evening with the dog and there was this lady and two kids in a car um, and didn't pay much attention to it. It's like a bit weird, but next afternoon, they're still there. The third day, I went over and she's, she's petrified. She's in so much trauma um, that me just being a male in her presence ended up being a trigger for more trauma. Oh, wow. Um, so that opened my eyes to the domestic violence so, component. Mm. Um, and then having two 20-odd-year-old um, daughters, I'm thinking, you know, just a circumstance in their life and that could easily be them. Yeah. So what, do we, what can we do about this? Um, so that planted the seed for the domestic violence program. Sure. So. Okay. Jeez, it, it, you know, what a story. So... I believe you've got an incident recording program yeah. for mm -hmm. in in the domestic um, violence space. That you can you explain a little bit about um, that and how it's uh, assisting victims. Yeah, um, absolutely. So what it is, it's a, um, you might be familiar with um, the little press button devices that people that are prone to falls have and stuff like yep, that. Yep. yep. Well, we got hold of a device from WA um, that will actually press the button and it'll dial in, and our um, system will record the audio event of that yep. situation. Yep. 
Um, because one of the problems we've had reported from domestic violence victims is that, let's say there's an incident, they press charges, they make up with their partner. Yep, you hear about this a lot. Yeah, yep. um, the police go, well, we've got no evidence, they don't turn up for court, yep. stuff like that. Yep. Completely understandable, but really frustrating at the same I, time, right? Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so by having this device on request, we can release the audio of the event. So it may assist police with the court proceedings and also gives the mainly women, but men are victims of domestic violence as well, I must say, um, the opportunity to have a point of contact then and there. So they've got a, a device, they hit a button and that starts to a, an audio recording. Yep, yep. And Optus supplied the SIM cards, so there's no cost for does, the SIMs. Does it send an alert anywhere as well or is it purely just it, recording the, the... It can send the alert, but what we're focusing on is the collecting the evidence. Um, because even if they sent an alert, time's still an issue. Um, and look, this whole program may evolve. I mean, it's only six months old. So. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it does that. And every device has its own SIM card, which is its own mobile number. So that's recorded against the in the system. So we know exactly who sure. has that device. Okay. How many have you, you gotten out there? How many? Oh, only 11. Only 11? Yeah. Okay. They cost us $660 I can imagine each. So, yep, yep. Um, for the devices. Well, look, it's 11 people that have that, that that didn't before, and I'm sure there's there's going to be many, many more. So, um, and look, every state has different laws too, yep. so... I, I imagine it's, a, it's a minefield. I mean, on that, how do you ensure that the safety and privacy of, of victims you, you assist, especially when they are using, you know, something like the incident recording yep. program? So they are the only ones that are allowed to access the audio, except for police, because they can actually mm -hmm. mandate that we have to. Um, but in the sign-up, they actually consent that we can release it to police. Otherwise, no one has access to it at all. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, look, many people might not understand the intricacies of um, finding safe accommodation for survivors of domestic violence. Can you tell us how Global Glamping goes about this? Okay. Um, it is a massive challenge, even even for us as a provider of support. Um, there's a few things. Um Number one, and it's not a sexist thing at all, it's just ha it's the truth. Yep. Um, as a male, I'm people are suspicious in that environment sure. straight away. Sure. So me women's refuges, for example, um, are really reluctant to talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, or talk to people in general. Yep. They don't like to release the physical addresses yep. because then um, perpetrators can find sure. the victims, um, which leads to another problem. Um, and, and this is just... Evidence that I've collected by having a chat to a few different people as they've recovered from the, the violence is that they can't go to family or friends because it's, they're too easy to be found. Sure. Um, if they can go, if they can't get into women's refuge and there's not an unlimited supply of spaces, um, there's nowhere for them to really go, that they can't be found and be further at risk. So therefore, they're safer accepting the violent situation and having a roof over their head. Yep than actually dealing with it. Um, and look, there's, in the media, there's tragedies all the time of, of people being murdered by partners yep. and so people, police are aware that there's a problem, but... You hear this all the time. Yeah, it's yep. all the time. And it's heartbreaking. It is. And as a small organisation, we can't do everything. I wish we could. Yep. Um, and maybe through this series, we can find a way to do more as a community because this has got nothing to do with profit. It's all about people. Helping. And, and trying to... 
we're never going to solve – humans are humans, right? Um, and we're all born differently. And some will do the right thing and care and some just don't. And that's just the way it is. Sure. Um, but if we can find enough people that do care and do want to contribute, then surely we can do a lot more. Start to make a difference yeah. for more people. And that, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Perfect. Um, yeah. Awesome. So tell me about the unique approach you have to offering accommodation vouchers and how they're, you know, they can also serve as a fundraising tool for, for organisations. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's moving into our economic homelessness package, but... Um, essentially through a company called Marketing Boost. Right. Um, they supply three-night and four-night vouchers to different locations around Australia and around the world, actually. Yep. Um, and the only cost to the, the user of the, the holiday um, is the room taxes. So you might get $1,000 worth of accommodation for $150. Right. right? Um, so for domestic violence victims, the idea was we could, uh, provide these vouchers if they're financially affluent, if you like, able sure. to able to do that. Yep. So they can get well away from the situation as a, an immediate ice break, um, circuit breaker. Sure. Um, that's where it started. Yep. Um, it's since grown. We've now got 21-day and 7-day accommodation vouchers all over the world um, with no additional taxes to be paid. Fantastic. So essentially that's that's the concept is to just give people the opportunity, not so much for the holiday, but just to get out of a really bad situation. Sure. For businesses, they can also give the holidays away um, as promotions for their business. Yep. So they're helping us as well. And every holiday that's claim, is claimed, the charity picks up three US dollars. So we're giving something back to Joe Average that isn't in these challenging situations. Um and creating revenue so we can do more. Fantastic. What a, what a great concept. So if there's any business owners out there listening to this, they should should get in touch and ask about that um, accommodation voucher yeah. program. Oh, the more the better. And there's more, there's more to win, that. It's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And you've got a food support program as well. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that? Okay. Well, it's just located in Coffs Harbour in the main at the moment. Um, food Bank are our main supplier of food, um, but there's also a farmer at Graham Kempsey, and he will provide us fresh meat in bulk at a flat rate, um, which is incredibly cheap. Um, so we use, what we do is we sell the prime cuts into the normal retail market. Yep. But then the sausage mint, sorry, sausages and mints is then donated to different agencies for food or just individuals as well. Sure. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that, you know, but yeah. Heaps. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Now, the relocatable housing program, yep. um, you're working on identifying suitable properties. Um, can you explain how this process um, sort of works and, and why it's so important for, for those trying to escape domestic violence? Okay. Well, for, yeah. So domestic violence is part A. Part B is just your natural disaster. Sure. Victims. I'll talk about both. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Um, essentially, what's happened in that wood burn from the Lismore floods? is that there's some properties we were completely washed away on the edge of the river. Yep. Uh, um, some of those insurance companies have refused to Rebuild. pay. They were, like they may have been underinsured. I'm not saying it's the sure. insurance company's fault, but it's just but for whatever reality. reason. Yep. Uh, yep. Um, there has been talk of government buybacks of land and people can be relocated. 
Um, but there were reports in the media last week that there's, I think they said there was 200 allocated, but only 11 have taken it up in the last two years. Really? Uh, um, so why I'm excited about this particular project is the house comes in on a trailer on wheels. Yep. It unfolds up to a four-bedroom house. Wow. Right? Now, if you put some trellis and, and stuff around the floor level to hide the trailer, you wouldn't know it wasn't a real house. Right? And if you can pick that up for under 150 grand, yeah, it's pretty good given you've got no insurance and no way of getting a new house. Yeah. Um, it's registerable as a caravan. Okay. So the movability of it is not a problem come council issues. And also, if there's another flood on its way, it can be packed you up. You can and pack up the house and within, just within eight hours, you could be moved the whole house to a higher ground. So it gives people an element of security and hope where they were left with nothing. Absolutely. Um, and where did you find these? Oh, the, the idea came from a, a company up here in, in on the Gold Coast. Um, but unfortunately, that relationship didn't pan out. And we were about to give up on the concept. And then the government contacted me and said, well, what do you got to solve this problem? Which started the whole ball rolling again. And we're currently partnering with a company called Van Homes in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And they can supply the houses. Um, and there's a finance company that will actually help support that whole process. So it opens up investment opportunities for people that want to invest and also have a social conscience. Um, and those that can't afford to get their own new home, there's a means of getting the finance without having to go through mortgage finance, which is pretty hard to get these days um, because it comes on a motor vehicle finance. Yep. Um, and so just it just all works well. I'd, lo- I'd love to say it was all my thing. It's just... The universe all come together come to together. provide. What a, a fantastic place. program! Excellent. You say what? What other uh, organisations are you collaborating with? You know, across, um, you, you know, all of your programs to to help survivors. Oh, look, there's, there's plenty. Um, on top of my head, um, Pete's Place in Coffs Harbour. Yep. Um, which is run by St Vincent de Paul. I think. Yep. Um, Agape up here on the Gold Coast. Yep. And a couple of others. So they've been mainly recipients of, of food. Sure. And clothing. Um, and Good 360 are a company. I don't know that if everybody, anybody really knows about them because I didn't until about 12 months ago. Yep. Um, but they actually facilitate the goodwill of corporate Australia with clothes and um, hygiene products and the SIM cards from Optus for these devices have come all through Good 360. Um, so they're a great organisation. Fantastic. Now, you're a pretty young charity in the, in the scheme of things and obviously got a lot of fantastic programs up, up and running. What have been some of your biggest challenges so far, Simon? Oh, well, there's been plenty. Um, finding, finding the right people to work with. Um, because just because I have a certain mindset about, you know, we can do things together and, and all succeed, um, there are people out there that don't think that way and they're more concerned about what's in it for them. Um, ultimately, up front, the relationship seems fine, but over time you realise what's really going on. Um, and then to pull, your, pull the organisation away from those relationships 12 months in or, um, is the biggest challenge. Sure. Because I'd rather focus on getting results for the client group than the politics and the, hum, the human stuff. And it's really weird. We're in this human services area trying to support people yep yet avoid some people because they're not going to be aligned with our mission 
I can imagine. And then trying to stay positive in that mess. I think that's that's something you, we need to understand from people who are outside of um, charities, just how how frustrating it must be for people in there with, like you said, the politics, the red tape, um, the costs involved with delivering the you know, delivering the services and the, the aid that, that you want to. that I, I can just imagine how frustrating that is. And that's be. really where I'm proud of what our, our little team has done because we went in with the approach, we're not going to go and actively look for donations. We want to contribute to the world yep. and earn our way. And by doing that, particularly for the homeless, we can show that you're better off getting up and doing something to improve your life than sitting there just waiting for a handout. Sure. Um, and that's no disrespect to people that no, need I the handout. Mm. Um, but there are some that will just sit there all day with their hand out and yep. cry poor. Yep. Um, we weren't, I don't believe we were born just to sit around and cry poor. Right? We, can, we can achieve great things, particularly if we do it together, yep. but we've got to make an effort. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So tell me, what. give me a success story. Tell me about a, a domestic violence um, victim who, who um, Global Glamping has helped. All right, so this is a classic. So we've been in existence for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, three months ago, I had a stroke and I'm laying in hospital counting tiles. It was a pretty yuck situation. Um, but in the middle of all that, we were able to deliver our first house, not only to a flood victim, but also a domestic violence victim. Fantastic. Um, and uh, look, it, it's awesome. It, you know, it took three years and a stroke, right, to, to get this house, but... At the end of the day, we've changed not only the lady's life because she sent me a text saying, oh, thank you so much. I would never have believed this was possible. I was never going to be able to own my own home. And then the, the whole story that I knew behind yep. it. But her three kids. Um, the personal joy I get out of that is not about the ego. Yep. What I get out of that is hopefully one day when I'm dead and buried, because we're all here for a very short period of time, we're dead for a long time. Yep, right? very true. Is... If, if you believe the heaven and hell thing, oh, I'm hoping to be sitting in heaven in the clouds and going, oh, look at that person, 150 years time. I helped their great-grandmother get a back home. in 2020 get a home. Had I not helped her do that, that person may not have done something so significant in the world. Mm. Um, so I can take, I don't know, I guess you call it a, a spiritual thing. And it's not that I'm religious, but I just I just have a belief that we have more to offer for eternity yep. than the short time we're on the planet. We're here for a purpose. Um, absolutely. And I didn't have a purpose for 40 years. Right? Yep. And some life events changed me. So now I figure, given I got through the stroke, I've got 30 maybe years left. Yep. I'm going to make a, a count. Difference. So, yeah. Look, I can see your emotion. I can see you're your passionate. It's, um, yeah, you made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, that's a, a fabulous story and you're doing fantastic work. Look, that's uh, about us uh, up for time for this uh, this first episode, but I'm really looking forward about, uh, you know, for doing this series with you over the next uh, 12 months or so and um, and finding out far more in depth about, um, you know, what, what Global Glamping's doing, the people you're helping and um, the programs you're rolling out. But look, for those listening who, you know, uh, have maybe been moved by what they've heard today and, and you know, do have that social conscience and, and want to help, um, how can they support your cause? Oh, look, there's lots of ways and probably first step would be just give us a call or shoot us off an email. Um, so, yeah. Sure. What's, uh, what's the, the website? It's globalglamping.org. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, look, thanks for, for coming in today, Simon. Really um, enjoyed hearing um, 
hearing what you've told us about, especially the domestic violence, um, homelessness side and what you're doing there. And um, look forward to um, chatting with you again, maybe about natural disaster homelessness next time. Cool. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks.